you're guaranteed death, prison, or recovery. I'm here to help make that decision for you. I gotta sober up. I'm not gonna keep doing this to myself. I love and respect myself today. It's not how much you drink or how often you drink. It's what alcohol does to you when you do drink. Find something that you love and do it. Don't be ashamed. Ask for help. You know, I was powerless and I was out of control. If all of your friends are doing the exact same thing that you're doing, the only way to get away from doing that, and I hate to say this, is to get rid of all your old friends. When I got sober, I didn't get sober for me because I didn't really feel like I deserved to be sober. I got sober for my kid. Welcome in, everybody. We are on episode number nine, nine episodes so far on the Living Sober Up North podcast. My name is Nate. I am an alcoholic. I say that every morning, and I I, uh, I even brush my teeth to that. Like, I'll That's the way that I do things. Um, so, yeah, you know, I got to be honest with myself every single day. So, on this uh, podcast, uh, in the studio here with me is uh, Scott. We've got Scott, who is uh, stopped by New Leonard Media. And I want to remind everybody, too, uh, before we get any farther, that uh, New Leonard Media right here, newleonard.com is what you got to be looking for when you go online and you're, you're searching for uh, where this podcast is uh, actually being hosted at. Um, Check out newleonard.com. Uh, we are uh, we're available to record your own podcasts. If you want to record a podcast, maybe you have an audio or a video type of an advertisement that you want to create, contact newleonard.com. Uh, just send an email, and uh, Mr. Marcus will talk to you, and we'll set you all up. You can come into the studio here, or maybe you want to be a part of this podcast. You can just you can contact us right there, or on the uh, Living Sober Up North Facebook page too. Just send us a uh, private message on there. And and uh, we'll schedule something for you to come in here today, just like Scott is. Scott, how are you doing, Scott? I am super sober, fantastic, <laughs> and absolutely thrilled to be here today. This is the great thing you're doing. I'm really, I'm really happy and proud of you. Well, thank you uh, for doing this. It's a wonderful service for everybody up here. It's a, well, I figured, you know, when I when I first started doing this whole thing, let me turn off that AC because it makes a horrible background noise. Um, which I'm sure that everybody that was listening to episode eight or seven and eight was probably like, "What is this?" It's the it's the air conditioner. It's warm. Um, so yeah, this podcast is basically it's kind of like my uh, my way to help keep myself sober as well as help others in return. You know, like it's one of those types of things. I, I believe that's kind of what the uh, the whole program of uh, you know I mean going through uh, AA and stuff like that. You know this this podcast isn't so much like centered around AA, but it is like there's a lot of things that I picked up from there where it's like after you get done going through all the steps, you know what do you do from there? So. Um, Scott is in here today, and Scott, I understand that you uh, you do a lot in the uh, the um, uh, recovery community, don't you? And I didn't realize this until I stalked you a little bit. Well, I appreciate that. I'm an open book when it comes to alcoholism, addictions, mm-hmm. and more importantly, what people, individuals, families, business owners, whoever, do to get out. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and more importantly, the individual, the still suffering. Yeah, yeah. And and those looking to get back into recovery. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, now you work with a GT band and all that stuff as well, right? You, yes. You, yeah. Currently, I am a peer support specialist there, work in the behavior health department, dealing directly with alcohol and drug addiction. Relapse, of course, has been a, a terrible thing with this pandemic that's happening, mm-hmm. just because, you know, our, our face-to-face has is, is been 
obsolete. So we're we're making adjustments too. Everything takes time, unfortunately. It'd be nice to change right away. But yeah, so that's my current position. I've, I've held many, many positions within our local and regional recovery community. Like nice. you mentioned earlier, a lot of it had to do with with AA. Yeah, you know. Yep. But that's not been my only path. I'm a drug addict as well in recovery. So I. Uh, participate and, and take advantage of na nice and nice. and for me more recently uh recently being in the last maybe five years i've been doing um a lot of well variety as well well variety tell me about this what is well variety well well variety was founded by a gentleman by the name of don coyas currently lives in colorado springs a, a brilliant wonderful warm kind man that i got to meet this past year at a conference that i was in got to sit in his office and and pick his brain he actually one of the things that inspired me most to look into well variety not only because of um, i'm an indigenous native american person I also loved the fact that all of his training videos, he's carrying a big book in his hand. Okay. So it's based, you know, primarily off of the program and the steps of AA and our traditions, but it's also something that he curbed to fit with our Native American values and traditions. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. So that's, a, I mean, that, that's got to really be good for you, though. I mean, you, like you said, yeah. I mean, being indigenous and whatnot. I mean, like you, you have something right there that you can relate with right off the bat, and that. Is that something that kind of helps you with? Uh, Absolutely, one hundred percent. You know that, and you hear it all the time in recovery. I've always felt different. You know that scenario. I've always felt something. So for me, you know, the thirty-one years of active use and drinking, I obviously I was adopted at a very early age, age age uh, eleven months. Oh wow! And that really started my journey in SUD and and that whole thinking that attachment that was taken away and mm-hmm. abandonment and I wasn't worthy type of thing. Even as a baby, I grew up with a very loving wonderful beautiful family that i'm still very close with both families it's a unique position to be in but i really resonated with the well variety movement and and what it what its values core values and beliefs are simply because of the native american component that we throw in our traditions and our teachings and in all through our steps as well that's cool that's going to be really i mean helpful you know i mean that's something that we've we've said numerous times is like the support system that that goes along with becoming sober you know and remaining sober you have to have some sort of a support like that and that's got to that's got to be have, i mean just great to have something that close to your family your soul you know i mean like right there very much um when it when it came to like your uh your history i was I, you know i always like to delve into the history i mean obviously okay we know that you were um you you were adopted at a very young age kind of had a little bit of abandonment issues about, about what age were you when you started uh using to try to cope with some of these types of things well honestly as i look back now and i've had a lot of training education counseling uh, therapy and just being in you know the biz so to speak i've learned that uh, as far back as my early memories are i was always seeking right and i was always looking for some sort of approval or some sort of aid you know to help me change how i'm feeling Mm -hmm. at age 12 i picked up i grew up around a wonderful family no real big addiction issues or anything it was just normal to drink yeah now they didn't drink to get drunk they drank because they could have a couple glasses of wine or some drinks I was taught early on, and my, my mother didn't mean anything by it, but, you know, what to serve with a pairing, like pairing wines, mm-hmm. what to serve with that, and I knew what to serve after dinners, and I knew when it was time to appropriate time to serve coffee. So at age 12, you know, the first time I drank Jack Daniels, 
I was home. You know, it was it was just I don't know how else to explain it. And ironically enough, thirty one years later, my last drink was Jack Daniels. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah no kidding. I, I went into treatment the next morning, and uh, that's where I detoxed. That was a uh, almost twelve years ago, and it was a little different then. You know, I didn't I didn't do the what's now the conventional route is detox and and go through all of that monitoring. I did it. <laughs> right in the right in the treatment center really really but it started my path i went to my first aa meeting that first night and all the probation i've been on probation since i was like 14 right uh-huh. i yeah. never went to any meetings or did it. i didn't do any of that stuff i don't even know how i got through it but <laughs> finally something clicked i was ready you know that's what yeah. you, that's what you hear i was absolutely ready and thank goodness for that because i was on a, i was i was gonna die very soon i was there right yeah no i, I that seems to be a, a reoccurring sound too with a lot of the uh, the people in the podcast is like it's a it's a life or death type of a thing you know like you kind of i know myself when uh when i got sober this last time almost two years and uh eight no nine days nine days from right now when we're talking it's going to be uh my two years nice. and um i was uh I was bad. Like it was seven a.m. somewhere. You know, I mean, there's there's a booze store open yeah. somewhere, and I'm sure I got some spare change laying around that I can make this happen. You know, Absolutely. like that was my life, and uh, yeah, I, I I was grateful the day that I got in a car accident. Luckily, it was only a, you know like a twenty mile an hour car accident, but I knew that I had two choices: it was die or go to jail. You yeah. know, and that was I, I'm grateful every single day that I went to jail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, it's, which is odd too. You know, if you look at like man with the uh, all the the craziness going on with police nowadays you know it's like you would think that somebody like in my position would be like some like bitter or something you know but no i'm like this was what i wanted because i and you like you said right there you've got to want it and and what was it that really made you want it like that that made you say that you had was it was it your physical body you were just feeling like you were dying or like was it like uh like things were falling apart around you or or what you know i just i didn't feel like the potential me that I could be you know I, I there was always some sort of it wasn't you know back to the abandonment it wasn't any of that you know I grew up very loving in a very loving family it just I knew for the last 10 years of my drinking I was in a, a not you know so great relationship marriage and there was a lot of uh, nasty components with that but for the last 10 years I, I hated who I'd become and I just couldn't stop you know and then I knew uh, physically I was I was deteriorating very fastly emotionally mentally I was pretty much gone and spiritually, I had been, as they say, bankrupt. And I, I knew for me it was prison or death. There was no recovery. I didn't hear that at all until I got welcomed into the sobriety court here in Traverse City, the 86th district uh, treatment court. Mm-hmm. And that first morning, Judge Haley, you know, he said, "You're you're at that turning point. You don't know what that means yet, Scott, but that's where you are. You're guaranteed death, prison, or recovery." And he goes, I'm, I'm here to help make that decision for you. Yeah. So he sent me outside for 10 minutes, come back in and tell me what you think, what you'd like to do. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not afraid to die. I'm just not ready. I'm afraid of prison. I was definitely afraid. My father, my biological father had been to Jackson prison for DUI, multiple DUIs, and mm-hmm. I had become him. That was not good. And then I just said, I'll try this recovery thing. And he told me that morning in court three times, you'll never make it. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up, I ended up working... Uh, uh, volunteering with that court for eight years after that really no uh, kidding uh, yeah i got through the program it was really gnarly it was it was not easy and they invited me back as a as a uh, someone to be an advocate 
Nice. And, to, and to help uh, learn the mind of the alcoholic addict. That's so cool, man. I mean, really, I, that's something that I have actually been thinking about, like, when I get done with this. Because I'm on sobriety court right now. I'm currently in sobriety court. Um, but I uh, I have thought about, like, what is the future? What is the after this? You know, like, how can I help with this program after that? Yeah. Which, two years ago... This was not thinking in my mind. I was not that type of a person. And I, I wonder, like, what do you, what would you say to a person who is going into sobriety court? Like, I know that it's difficult. I, I mean, I know for a fact that every single thing, it seems like when they say, they tell you, they try to teach you in, in like AA and stuff to kind of live your life with no expectations. Right. But the court system has a lot of expectations. <laughs> and uh, it's it, uh, phase one, especially. It's yeah, really, it's gnarly. Yeah, yeah. What would you say to somebody that's, uh, that's going into sobriety court or has that option to be able to get sober? Well, I say it all the time, you know, I mean, partially because of what I do for a living and partially because I do in our community. I encourage treatment court and I advocate for treatment court a lot today because of that term being a treatment court. You know, uh, it gets drug court, it gets a lot of stigma thrown around it. But I tell people, you have no idea the pains that the team has taken to consider you for the opportunity mm-hmm. of the treatment court option. Yeah. The fact that your probation or parole officer has even approached you with it is a blessing that you don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And the options and the program that they have, especially with you know the, today's sobriety court is so much different than what I went through. The fact that you can become like what you're doing now was, was really unheard of. People were just trying to get back on track and back into society before now we're trying to steer people as becoming advocates and learning how to give back this model of giving back mm-hmm. now most treatment courts have advocates and alumni graduates on their ba- on their panels and their and their boards and their teams simply because there are times when the team these people are very educated really smart and brilliant people they will look down the table at, at one of us and say what do you think Right, yeah, let's give get us, it from the viewpoint us, of a person that's been through all Give of us yeah. what we're missing. What are we missing? There's something off. And I've disagreed. I've had heated arguments many, many times with these people. Yeah. But at the end of that meeting, we never leave upset with one another because we've had a debate, we've had a conversation that was not easy to have. However, it's in the best interest of this person who is at that point still suffering. Right, right. I right. mean, the early on, it took me a few years out of sobriety court before I understood what the suffering had ended, you mm-hmm. know, because I still had that thinking. Component. And it's, 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 sad. it's, I, I don't know. It's like, it's not so much it's sad, but it's like, uh, you know, when, when you, when you are a person that is first getting into the sobriety court system and whatnot, it's, it's difficult for, I mean, I, I know it was hard for myself and it, I've seen it from other people too. Like they think that the court system is just coming down on them, you know? And it's like, they don't, they don't care. They're just all about the money and all this, you know, like that's, that's really not the, the, the case. I don't think, I mean, from what I've gathered so far, it seems like these people generally care, you know, like they do actually care that you are alive, that you are a human being. Otherwise, I mean, there's, there's a lot of the people that just simply don't care that are in sobriety court and and they they are the ones that they come down on harder, you know, because they don't seem to give a crap. They're, so they're they're like, well, if you don't care, you know, this is what you get then, you know. And it's the same, you know. And I hate to go back to it, but it's the same what we see sometimes in in different meetings. Now I go to a lot of different meetings and a lot of different twelve step programs, mm-hmm. but you can almost tell who's invested, you know, and who's really concerned about their future, their health, their well being, their family, right, their right. career. And sometimes our jail exposure, depending on how much that is, or prison exposure, it's really hard to get away from that. You know, and I don't like this the term being taken care of, but the routine mm-hmm. uh, that happens with jail and prison, you know, that becomes very 
easy to to conform to, right? Right. Even though there's a lot of trauma that goes along with it. Right. So it's it's really difficult to break that a lot of times because it's almost that softer, kinder, gentler way of going. Uh, although it's you know stripping you of all your freedoms, essentially. Yeah. Yep. Uh, at the end of the day, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at the freedom of this of this individual. And what are we going to do? How do we get them to be where I am today? Right. I mean, I'm relatively healthy and happy working and i've got admiration from the people that i really need it from aside from a couple family members but that's why i have a program right to work on i love that i i just i I think it's so cool what you're doing there uh scott i think it's uh you know i mean just being there and and not only that with the uh, you being native okay now i do know that there's a lot of native uh americans in here in uh northern michigan that do drink a lot you know like there's a lot there's a lot of drinking that's going on there and um to know that you they've got somebody like you right Right there, you you've got the well variety and whatnot that you've been learning. I, I'm sure that you're passing that on to a lot of your your sponsees and whatnot. That's right, a, that's a big part of, of what we I say we do, uh, especially where I work. I mean, I can speak to that, but I mean, we've got the porch and other places, uh, resources here, in, and especially in Traverse City and, and the region and around us. Mm-hmm. It, we're so fortunate yeah. with the amount of recovery and diversity and recovery that we have here. But with regard to my work, uh, I share an office with Alicia Hall. I've ever got a permission to share her name. Mm-hmm. She's also a peer support specialist and works with a lot of the women doing the same exact thing. We're both facilitators of Well Variety and trainers. Another thing, we're both recovery coaches. Now, that's another component that I try and touch on for just a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. Uh, the introduction of people in recovery to really consider becoming a recovery coach. Uh, the training is free. It's through NIMSAS, Northern Michigan Substance Abuse Services. We hold about three trainings a year. I'm one of the trainers for the coaching program. I'm also one of the trainers for the ethical considerations program that comes after that. It's, it's required to get your certification. Okay. And then we have some messaging training. We have you know trainings on suicide. There's so many. And it's all free. You nice, know? nice. So you have to really commit to it. Yeah. And there's a couple weekends, and that's really all it is, a couple weekends where you have to just – you know, that's your, what do they call a sacrifice? You know, you have to give up a couple weekends, mm-hmm. but the people that you train with, you end up becoming lifelong friends with. Like, those are some of my best friends. It's like my recovery group. That's cool. It goes back to what you spoke of earlier. For me, another message is early in recovery, especially, it is critical that you find a sponsor or a mentor, right? Because that's mm-hmm. what we do. I've got several still. Someone died and passed away and, and tragically or through natural causes. And then... You know, I can't say enough about a home group, you know, yeah. whether it's NA or AA or, well, Variety, Smart, uh, Dharma, whatever it is you're doing, find a home group. You know, those are the people that help you stay accountable. You can walk into the room, and you know this because you've been to enough meetings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell when somebody's off. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. I've and, seen it. And they're going to call you out, you know, mm-hmm. whether good or bad, the conversation starts. Yeah. And that's what happens. So during this COVID time, the other thing I've, I've always said is, you know, like when we're looking at if you see something wrong, you know, say something. You know, if you see somebody that you suspect of doing a drug deal, you know, stick your neck out. There's an anonymous line for that. Now, during COVID, the hook I'm using is if you feel something, say something, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of isolation happening right now. Mm-hmm. I've had to do that myself. And the other coaches that I work with, there's a, there's a few hundred of them. If we feel something individually, then say something. Mm-hmm. Speak to a sponsor. Speak to one of your fellows. You know, these people, we all know each other. When you're floating down the river or when you're out having coffee and you're out at a restaurant or you're walking the beach, one of our trails, whatever it is on a bike, hey, listen, I'm not feeling so good. You know, there's something right, on right. You know, because we tend to take care of others, right? Yeah. And that's great. But we can't be that, right, as you know. 
we can't be that person without being wholesome ourselves. So yeah. we got to take care of ourselves. It's really resonated with a lot of people because I get a lot of people going, oh, wow, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, I've been off for the last, whatever, month, two months now, mm-hmm. three months. And uh, it's time to say something. That's you know, cool. Another thing I advocate for is is, is, is find, find some counseling. It's a cliche, but... I'm telling you, if you're like me and probably you, we break it down at the end of the day. We're talking about life and death. Yeah. When it gets yeah, absolutely. And, yep. and demise in a horrific way to go, right? Mm-hmm. And not to mention the tragedy that we leave in our wake. Take the time and, and see a counselor. Maybe it's an hour a week. Maybe it's two hours a week, whatever. We've got the time now that we're sober, <laughs> right? Yeah. We've got plenty of time to do stuff to work on ourselves now that we're off the drug or drink or whatever it was or right. behavior. We've got the time. Make yeah. the time and take it. Now, I was wondering, too, those are all great points, too, Scott. Thank you uh, for putting that out there, you know, for the listener who's uh, tuning in right now and, and checking this out. Um, I, I got to ask you now, the, aside from just doing the recovery coaching and stuff, um, there's got to be, because I know this, I've, I'm an addict, you're you're an addict, there's got to be something else that you do, you know? <laughs> like, what is it that you do to help keep yourself sober, you know, uh, aside from uh, all of that, you know, like... What, what is it that you can do to get out of that five minutes so that you're you're on to something else and that, that thought or whatever, that moment is gone? So this was me nodding my head profusely, breaking my neck the whole time. <laughs> saying it. Yes, I, I play the drums, drum set, drum kit, however you want to put it. I've been doing that since I was about the same age. as I, I actually did it a little longer than I've been a drinking, drunken guy. Nice. So that's been something I've never, ever let go of. I did take a break for a couple of years because I needed to work on early recovery. Mm-hmm. My first gig, and this is no kidding, I'd prayed for it and did everything I was told to by my sponsors. My first gig back was with someone in the program who said, hey, I only hire sober people. I need a drummer. Your name keeps coming up. Are you in? And boom, took off, and I was back into gigging. Now I play with you know a lot of different people, some sober, some maybe not sober. I don't care. The point is that they know that I'm sober. I don't dwell on it. I just say, listen, I'm, I don't drink anymore. It's cool. You don't want to see me drink. Yeah. Uh, ready, one, two, three, four, here we go. Yeah. Um. So that's, that's one of my healthy hobbies. I always tell people that's something, if you don't have one, think really hard and talk with your sponsor because you do, and you're going to find it, mm-hmm. whether it is taking a hike. We have such great resources outside here in northern michigan uh, you know either borrow and if that means asking right you have to ask borrow a kayak trust me there's people out there that have two or three that are more than willing yeah yeah, yeah to say let's yeah. go float on a day like this who wouldn't want to be on the river right <laughs> yeah or on the lake yeah get a bicycle if you don't have a bicycle get a hold of me i mean part of what i do now for recovery is also i buy and or barter and get bicycles restore them and, and give them to people that need wheels right oh that's cool so that's really cool that's a healthy hobby right that's something i do i'm a homeowner which is i don't know what the percentages are but i've got a home so that keeps me really busy too because mm-hmm. anybody that knows anything about that is you know you don't just cut the grass and and, and vacuum there's a lot more to it yeah um restaining the, ho- the house right now so i mean that's a healthy hobby you know there's so many more things recovery coaching has opened up a lot of windows for me as far as hobby goes mm-hmm. because i want to keep busy without burning out healthy boundaries within the world of sud and recovery you know so i found a way to do that i was a part-time manager at the aa central office here in traverse city for a while Lots of different advocacy, mm-hmm. a lot of committees, way too many committees, and, and I still do too much of that now. But um, <laughs> as far as healthy hobbies go, you know, mountain biking season's back, get on two wheels, music, just, I mean, go eat. You yeah, know, you do something. Right I mean, now we've got a lot of food opening back up. we got a lot of killer restaurants to eat, you know, even if it is 
take out. Yeah. Get some fellows like we do. Let's all go have lunch on the beach. I mean, yeah. who's going to argue with that? Sometimes putting yourself into that uncomfortable situation can become the most comfortable situation for the most part. Well, that's why I say you just have to ask. I mean, yeah. too many people are afraid to ask. I, I still have trouble with it now and then, but my people that I'm working with, you know, I just tell them, ask, you know, ask me something. Yeah. What do you yeah. want me to ask you? Whatever pops in your head. Whatever. Yeah. I'm trying to make you uncomfortable, right? Yeah. <laughs> you need to ask. I had to ask for rides for a few years. I hated it. Yeah, yeah. And today I can drive. I'm, it's a gift. It really is. It's a yeah. blessing. That's absolutely true. Well, those are all great things. You know what? I want. I wanted to uh, also for the listener out there that maybe they don't know you kept you keep on mentioning a, uh, a term called SUD. Could you explain what a SUD is? SUD, substance use disorder. Now that's a. Uh, Kind of a gnarly stigma attached because it has use and disorder and substance. So we're trying to change the language on that a little bit, you know, and it always turns into a big argument. But when we're talking substance use disorder, we're talking about someone like me who has the compulsion and at the time when I was using the desire and the will to drink or drug uncontrollably, by the way. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking about a glass of wine after work to, to calm down. There's, like, there's, no, there's another glass of wine I, after. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> you I don't you do, can't just have one. <laughs> yeah, I've, never, I've never done one of any. Thing. Right. Yeah. So it's a term that's thrown around quite a bit, SUD. I am one that suffers with substance use disorder. Uh, thankfully, it's almost 12 years now, and I haven't had to use that to, to change how I feel or how you think of me or how I think of you. So it's, it's been pretty fortunate for me. I like to say also that uh, I am a someone who identifies as a person in long-term recovery. For me, that means I haven't had a drink or a drug since 9-9 of 08. Uh, 11.03 p.m. was my last drink. And I went to bed and, and started this journey that I'm on still to this moment. And nice. advocacy and doing what I'm doing right here with you folks is a critical part of what makes me wholesome and happy today. It really nice. is. I love doing this. That's cool. It's all incredible information right there. Scott right here, everybody. And how could, how could uh, somebody contact you? Like maybe they're, they're thinking about, would they be able to contact you? Would you be okay with that? Absolutely. Or, I mean, like, like I said at the very beginning, I'm an open book. <laughs> yep. I love talking recovery. I love steering people and families to recovery. Uh, we call ourselves re- recovery coaches we call ourselves resource brokers okay you know we have we have the resources especially here in traverse city with so much recovery going on getting beds and treatment right now is kind of tough because of the covid and everything right um right but we have the means to help you find that direction into a path of recovery you can reach out to me uh 231-409-8177 anytime day or night it is scott.schulton 470 at gmail.com for an email. Okay. So blast me a text, uh, send me an email, whatever you got to do. Awesome. And awesome. Um, if I'm unable to help you, I certainly know about 200 other coaches that are willing and, and there's somebody by. out there that'll, there is yeah, absolutely yeah. somebody out there. And you can also go youpickrecovery.org is another fabulous nice. resource. That's you a great pick place. Youpickrecovery.org. Youpickrecovery.org for anybody listening is a great thing to write like down. Like Y-O-U or you the letters? It's, it's, yep, Y-O-U. Y-O-U, okay. P-I-C-K-recovery.org. Okay. Yep. okay, cool, cool. Well, Scott, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me. And, uh, you know, you may be helping somebody else just by telling them your story, you know? I mean, there's a lot of people out there that they don't know that they're not alone. All great information right there. And uh, also, I want to remind everybody, too, that if you or anybody you know wants to, uh, you, you want 
want to you want to get in touch with Scott, or maybe you you uh, didn't get that information right there, or, or something like that, or maybe you want to be a part of this podcast, this little project that we're doing here in Traverse City. Contact me on the. Uh, you can contact me. I'm Nate. I am on the uh, Living Sober Up North podcast. Just send me a private message right there, or you can post it right on the wall. Whatever you know. I mean, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. I'm just as open of a book as uh, Scott is right here. So uh, feel free to contact myself, and I will do whatever I can to point you in the right direction and uh maybe you'll be maybe the direction will be right towards scott it could be that might be the best thing for you um scott thank you so much man it's a pleasure to meet you and uh, chat with you and uh, treat jimmy guach i appreciate that thank you absolutely bro all right have a good day man thank you